Hello, and welcome to Crash's Course, a short-form podcast where I share my thoughts and advice on playing and running tabletop role-playing games in roughly about five minutes. Last time we talked about railroading, so in this episode I want to cover the other extreme, sandboxing. You've likely seen the old joke, a pet or child is given a new toy, but they find the box to be far more enjoyable. Such is the pain of many a DM or GM, where they worked really hard on a campaign only to have the players adopt the first monster they encounter and then, if you're in my campaign, retire from adventuring and start a children's theater. My friends, I have a suggestion that I never would have made before I had two decades of teaching under my belt. What if you just let them do that? Tabletop role-playing games are collaborative, aren't they? So why not let them have their fun? Sure, you still need to add things to the game as you're controlling the whole world except for the players, but with them making all the big choices, you'll need a lot less time to prep things, with some caveats. Sly Flourish of SlyFlourish.com has some great ideas about this. I've borrowed some, changed others, and added some new things, but here's the basics that I personally follow. You still need a hook to get things going. Something, anything to prevent the dreaded moment when you ask, so what do you do, and get nothing but silence in return. A super-saturated solution will stay that way until there's something for all the crystals to form around, and a campaign is kind of like that. Are the parties seeking revenge for their hometown being burned to the ground? Are they trainees in a grand company of adventurers? Are they shipwrecked and just trying to survive? That story hook might be abandoned early on or continue to be the driving motivation for the characters, but its main usefulness is its role as a catalyst. I talked more about this in the last episode, so I'm just going to move on now. Before you begin each session, write down six to 10 secrets, and I'm using air quotes here because you aren't really required to keep them from your group at all costs. These are more things for you to keep in mind as you are deciding how the world is going to react to the player's choices. Some of them will be very local and very specific, like the driving motivation of a specific NPC friend of the party. Others might be more world eventish, like an army marching from one city to the next. The party might never encounter the army, but armies send out foragers and take from local farms. They scare away game animals and potentially drive more dangerous monsters towards or away from the party. The effects are felt even if you never see the troop formations. Some of your secrets will carry over from one session to the next. Some of them will change or become irrelevant very quickly. Their usefulness is in the moment where there's a pause in the action. Is a plot point about to be resolved? Uh, look over your secrets to see what else you can toss this character's way. As your campaign goes on, your secrets for each session should be direct or indirect results of the player choices more and more often. If done right, it should be a mix of, you're powerful enough to make a difference in the world, and this is all your fault. But how you mix those two moods is up to you and your group dynamic. And many of you already do this, but before each session, you should browse for some creature features. Go old school with the Monster Manual, third party with Cobalt Press, or anything in between. But whatever your sources, you should scan through to find a handful of level-appropriate encounters. 
It's possible that most will never be used, but a truly unusual one might wind up as part of one of your secrets. Don't be afraid to reskin a monster either. The party opened a candy shop? Well, what if a rival shop owner hired a wizard to curse the party's shop? Cursed candy isn't a thing, but it doesn't take much of a stretch to say that the Earth Elemental is made of rock candy, or that Mud Method is actually marzipan. The stats remain the same, but now the flavor is based on what the players choose. That's all for this episode. Subscribe to Just This Podcast at is.aaronbsmith.com slash at Crash's Course, or all my D&D podcasts at aaronbsmith.com slash cogwheel for future episodes. Music is Deadly Windmills by Jam from modarchive.org, used with permission because it's public domain. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Until next time, this is Crash saying, Why, yes, that was my plan all along. It's great how this plot all ties together so neatly. Mm-hmm. <laughs>